Brought to you by BedroomBattlefields.com This is the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast It's Matthew with you here Did you know that three brilliant or apparently brilliant ways to open any content are stories, stats or quotes? So I thought we'd start with a quote here. This one, I I hear it now and then and I really like it. It's by George Bernard Shaw. He said, we don't stop playing because we get old. We get old because we stop playing. So there you go. That's why when we play with tiny little toys, we uh, we look much younger than we actually are. Has that happened to anyone? Um, Get in touch if it has. I'd love to hear more about it. Um, I'm afraid it's a it's a back down to earth episode because we obviously had Gav Thorpe on last week, which um, I'm sure you massively enjoyed. I certainly did. But it's just me this time, me and you anyway. I had a few things I wanted to get through uh, and I think it's interesting enough that I'll be able to hold your attention or at least that's the plan anyway. So as, uh, as I like to do with these solo episodes, I thought I'd just kick off by talking you through what I'm actually painting at the moment and to be honest the answer is uh, I've not done a lot of painting recently I do have uh, some miniatures on the table set out but it's it's honestly been a couple of weeks since I've managed to get to them last but I'm making good progress with them uh, you've maybe heard me talking in the in past episodes about putting together this Nurgle warband so I have two bases of Nurglands that I'm working on and I've got like little uh, mushroom and fungus type decorations uh, throughout the the Nurglands on these bases and then the Nurgle Lord miniature from at some point in the 90s I had to kind of slightly rebuild him because he used to he's on this like decrepit looking old horse and he used to have a I'm sure they I'm sure they've remade this guy as they've remade most most uh, characters but uh, he had a big scythe on his back and I've had to replace that with a banner from the old Chaos Warrior box set, I think it was. And it's either the, the skeleton box set or the, the Chaos Warrior box set. Again, I had to put a, a hand and a sword on him. He just he didn't have any arms. He didn't have any armies. So, uh, aye, he's he's back on his horse with two arms, holding a couple of things. A couple of wee mushrooms on his base too and another wee nurgling there. So I've got, once I finish them up, that warband, I've got quite a lot of plague bearers and I've got a Chaos Warrior in there as well. I've got a Beast of Nurgle uh, and there'll be three bases of Nurglings. So this warband, there's no actual plan with it. I just really wanted to put it together, but I dare say it'll come in handy for, you know, games like Song of Blades and Heroes, maybe even a, a version of Frostgrave or Rangers of Shadow Deep. And I've got a couple of new rule sets that I'm going to talk about uh, in a wee while as well. Elsewhere on the painting table, things that I'm currently not painting at the moment, but uh, you know, it's a work in progress. I've got a lot of uh, Chaos Goblins from Nightmare Miniatures. Honestly, I, I, I based and primed these. Uh, you maybe heard me say before, I, I do the basing first. I've got a weird way of doing things. And um, so I based and primed these probably like two years ago, and then they just kept for one reason or another, because they're beautiful wee miniatures, they kept getting pushed down the the list, the, the priority list. It was probably to do with just what I was preparing for to play next. Uh, so they kept getting pushed down and pushed down, and I thought, you know what, I'm I'm actually going to crack on and get these done now. And uh, so far, so good. Like I say, they're, they're really cool wee miniatures, these wee goblins. Some of them are, are called Chaos Goblins, 
and some of them are called bugbears. The bugbears, uh, you maybe know more about this than me, but they're they're slightly taller and bulkier. But I, th- I think, you know, there's 10 of them and they'll fit together as a wee warband, no problem. So these bugbears, they, they need to get some shields put on them as well because they've all got spears. But the Chaos Goblins, they're doing a bit of everything, you know. They've got all sorts of wee funny faces and one of them's got two heads, three legs. Uh, so yeah, aye, really cool miniatures from, from Nightmare. Uh, I also, at that period, had bought a group of, they are Gretchen, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure if they call them space goblins or that, you know, obviously, because they're proxy miniatures, but um, I've got some of them on the go too, so they're very similar to paint, it's just the difference is that they're obviously going to be like sort of in the sci-fi sandbox rather than, than fantasy, so I'll be putting them together too, the only difference aside from, you know, the weapons that they're holding is I base the, I base the stuff for my sci-fi games different, so for the fantasy I'm doing basically goblin green and golf course sand uh, and on the fantasy I'm doing more of a sort of blasted ash base and it's uh, black round the rim. So that's what I'm actually painting at the moment and I'm also uh, making preparations to have more stuff to paint because I did dive in as I alluded to in a recent episode about 15mm scale I did dive in and make some purchases in that scale so I've kind of, I've moved on some miniatures, if that's the term for it. I've sold some miniatures. Basically, when I got back into the hobby and I, th- I think it was late 2018, I'd bought um, a bunch of stuff from Perry Miniatures. I had some of the plastic Chaos Warriors and I was making up big regiments of troops because I thought, you know, I'm going to want to play mass battles and I'm obviously going to do it at 28mm. I just didn't consider any other scales. But there was a couple of things, like it was... The first things that I'd painted on my return to the hobby, so I didn't think they looked particularly great, and I just couldn't see me ever managing to get a game at that scale, especially given I'd I'd have to buy more regiments and stuff like that, so I managed to sell those on eBay and I hope that they get get a bit of use somewhere else, you know, they were fully painted in that, and uh, yeah, they're off somewhere else now to, to, like I say, hopefully see a bit of action on the table. But for me, you know, 15mm seems to be the scale that I'm I'm settling on. And I did realise when we did that episode, when I had Alex on the show, it maybe sounded like I was uh, throwing 6mm under the bus. And I, I should clarify, like, I, I do really like 6mm for a lot of reasons, and I've gone into that before. But there were just a couple of things. It wasn't quite working out for me the way I was painting them. Again, you know, my fault in the main. But... Uh, it's more just the fact that I really like 15mm and you can only do so much. So it was kind of getting me thinking about like when is it okay to abandon a project? Uh, because we've had discussions in the past and you know some folks, I think it was Jason was saying like he needs to be really disciplined or he would just never finish anything. Uh, Gav Thorpe himself was saying that he, you know, he struggles to get stuff finished sometimes. But my ethos is... Uh, I do think there's obviously a need for a certain amount of discipline, but when I looked at the bigger picture here, I, I could really see myself um, getting much more into 15 mil, getting a lot more use and, and happiness out of it than its 6 mil alternative. So I'm not going to get rid of my 6 mil stuff. I've still got a lot of it sitting unpainted. And who knows, maybe I will dive headfirst back into that in the future. But for now, I'm, uh, I'm going with 15 millimeter, And I should clarify as well, this is for the rank and flank stuff. This is for getting big blocks of troops 
And 28mm is the scale that, you know, first and foremost I'm going to be playing for all my skirmish games, whether that's sci-fi, fantasy, or anything in between. So I'm definitely not moving away from 28mm, far from it. I'm just looking for that uh, that big battle experience that doesn't require so much room, but I'm still looking for something bigger uh, than 6mm. So I think 15mm, now that I've got my first couple of orders, I'm going to talk about that in a second, but it can be made to look similar to, to the way it looked in White Dwarf. I'm not talking about the standard, the painting or scenery, I'm just meaning that you know, that there is in, there is proper individuality there in the miniatures, individually based, etc. So I can see myself getting closer to that aspiration of, you know, when I was wee and looking at what they were doing with Warhammer and trying to recreate that myself. So I think 15mm is a very good scale to try and do that. Whether I can pull it off remains to be seen. You know, I need to get all this done. I need to get it painted to a standard I'm happy with. But at the moment, I'm, I'm very enthused about it. I've got a... I've got the first few orders in, so I'm basically I'm I'm going to build two armies. I'm going to build an empire army, and I'm going to build an orc and goblin army. I'm going to start with about five units each, uh, and just see how I get on with that. So I'd made orders from alternative armies, Pendraken and Ral Partha, and I'm going for a predominantly monopose aesthetic because, you know, I I don't know if this is common. Maybe it is for listeners of this show, but I just really like the monopose aesthetic. So I'm buying lots of the same troop to put in the same unit, you know, uh, so they're all going to look very uniformed. And that might seem silly to some folks when they, they think you're buying these all individually. You could, you know, you could have them all in different poses and it might look more realistic, but it's just not the aesthetic I prefer. So it'll be mainly monopose units. And I've also used Ralpartha in particular. They they seemed really good for like standard bearers and champions and stuff like that to lead the units. So there will be some difference in the the regiments, but again, very very nineties white dwarf in my mind uh, for these sort of units that I'm putting together at the moment. So I hope to have some pictures of these, not painted, but at least uh, I've started to sort of glue them onto the bases and stuff like that. I hope to to stick some pictures up soon at bedroombattlefields.com and you can get a wee look. I also need to get movement trays um, because they will be individually based. So uh, War Bases are a company that are pretty local to me and the plan is to, to head down there one weekend with the, um, the individual bases and just have a look at sort of movement tray sizes and which ones are going to be a, a really good fit for these little units that I'm putting together. So it's handy having a company like that on your doorstep. I know you could order stuff online, but there's a lot to be said sometimes for just seeing something and uh, you know right away whether it's going to work for you or not. Especially the way the post is these days, like Christ in, in Scotland. And I don't know if this is UK wide or whatever, or just a worldwide thing now, but the post is terrible. Like you, you order stuff and um, it's either late or it doesn't turn up at all. Like it's just so unreliable at the moment, so... Uh, that had happened to me recently. I'd ordered off the back of my chat with Richard. I'd ordered um, Planet Twenty Eight and Brutal Quest. I'd ordered them from Mammoth Miniatures. I'm sure the the company name is, um, and they just hadn't turned up. And I, I had to sort of get in touch. And I think they've obviously been sent out via Royal Mail and just got lost. So it took a while to get um, the replacements, but I'm I'm delighted with them. Like I've been reading them the last few nights. 
Uh, that Planet 28 is a brilliant wee book and I've heard folks saying, you know, it's very Rogue Trader and it's ethos and stuff like that. Uh, I also heard it described by Richard as a great toolkit and, and now that I'm reading it, I could I could totally see what he means there. You could go super granular with it. You know, the, it, this is a sci-fi skirmish game and you can really get into the, you know, two versus three guys right down to like how many bullets they've got and stuff like that. You could really get into the the small scale narrative storytelling and then you can scale it up as well because it looks like you've got uh, rules for squads, rules for vehicles and you could probably make quite a big game with this rule set as well and it leaves a lot up to you too like there's, I'm not going to dive into the rules here but there are just good little pointers and tips and methods for basically creating any sort of scenario or making anything happen on the tabletop. Like if you came up with, you know, what if that character did this, then that, then that, there is actually a way to say, okay, well, these are probably the things you're going to have to roll against. So I just really like it. I'm I'm very excited to try it out. Um, you know, on the one hand, I'm like, do, do you need another rule set in your life? Because I've got a few rule sets now that I really enjoy. And there's an argument that you should just uh, play them more and enjoy them, but um, I am I am very keen to, to dive into this. And as much as I like the look of Stargrave, I just think for fantasy skirmish, uh, for sci-fi skirmish, sorry, this is this is going to be um, just a lot more in line with what I'm looking for. Uh, I do think it's it's got a lot of similarities with a, another game in that sort of genre, uh, Rogue Planet by Brent Spivey, who we've had on before. And uh, there are, yeah, there are similarities in the mechanics and stuff like that. And you've got um, the range of polyhedral dice and sometimes you're rolling under the target number rather than over it. So there are similarities there as well. Maybe that's part of what I've sort of liked about it because I could see how much more flexibility these, these wee mechanics give you. And it's just cool playing with these multiple dice as well rather than the big bucket of d six. So I know I know some some of you like that, but whatever floats your boat, I suppose. And yeah, Brutal Quest. I've had a, I've had less of a look at that at the moment. That's um, it's very similar rules, but done in the the fantasy genre instead. So I maybe will have less use for them than I will for Planet Twenty Eight. But you know, I'm gonna gonna give it a chance, gonna have a look at it and see if uh, maybe we'll fancy a game of that too. But yeah, Planet Twenty Eight and Brutal Quest. You've maybe already heard of them. You've maybe already got them. Um, but if you want a deeper dive into that, check out our episode with Richard from a couple of weeks ago. All right, I want to quickly dip into the Discord. You'll find that at bedroombattlefields.com forward slash Discord because uh, we've got a channel in there that I'm really enjoying and it says it's sort of white dwarf highlights and memories. Uh, as you've heard me repeatedly saying on this show, I've been rereading all my white dwarf magazines. So I've just been... Uh, you know, taking photos of things that have popped out to me that have either amused me or just things that are really cool or nostalgic and other folks have been chipping in with their own photos and that as well. So I was laughing at this this uh, one here. There was a copy where you, you got a free wizard on the front, free plastic wizard. Don't know if it was a maybe a Warhammer Quest thing, but uh, it says in the, the inside of the cover, it says on the front of this white dwarf, you'll no doubt have seen your free Citadel wizard. In fact... It probably isn't on the front cover anymore. Most likely you've already taken it off, painted it and fought several battles with it. Uh, I thought this was funny because you know when you're wee and you read these magazines and you just thought, if you were like me anyway, you just thought that like everyone else out there had loads of miniatures 
and they were all painted and they played loads of games all the time and like you were that one exception sitting with like not very much stuff and what you did have wasn't painted and I suppose that's kind of like again going back to the Gav Thorpe I, I feel like I'm name dropping him now because you know my friend Gav who I spoke to by the way um, he was talking about that the highest possible aspirational level that White Dwarf wanted to convey to you as the reader but you know a lot of it just isn't like that. So um, I did. I've no doubt they were being a bit funny here when they wrote that, but it did. Uh, it did certainly tickle me when I saw it. Elsewhere, here's a here's a funny one that made me laugh as well. So Jervis Johnson, he says, many readers with a computer and a modem. By the way, this is 1995. Will no doubt already know the Games Workshop studio has recently been hooked up to the internet. We had a great time looking at all of the news pages, home pages and mailing lists about our games, of which there are simply loads. But don't take our word for it. If you're hooked up to the net, do a search on the World Wide Web using the keyword Warhammer and see what comes up. We think you'll be as amazed as we were by the sheer quantity and quality of stuff. Anyway, not long after we started surfing the net... A certain Ed Etkin got in touch with us, offering to collect rules questions about Warhammer 40,000, Necromunda and Epic, collate them together and then send them to us for me and Andy to answer. This has proved to be a most beneficial arrangement, for us at least, because Ed made sure that we don't get asked the same questions again and again, and also that we receive the questions in one neat package, all in one go. Just to break from the article a second, this was literally the time where they were like, you know, if you've got a question about rules, uh, phone the rules boys or whatever it was, or, or no, send a send a stamped self-addressed envelope to us and we'll, we'll write back with your rules questions, so... This obviously was very cool for them at the time. Uh, so Jervis says, So thanks, Ed, for all your hard work. And to those of you on rgm.wh, he says that's the name of the Games Workshop news page, who said that Ed was making it all up himself, well, we guess you look pretty silly now, don't you? So back in 1995 on the internet, folks were still having a wee go at each other, by all accounts. Um, and it also said that Ed has a homepage himself called Gates of Fenris, which includes all of the questions and answers from Andy and me, and it could be visited on www.users.interport.net and a character that I don't recognise, and then F-Timer. So that's the URL for that. I'm not going on there because I, I don't know what might have happened to that in this time. But um, aye, be interesting to see if there is something still out there. Um, so yeah, a little bit of internet history there. I posted a photo of that article from White Dwarf in the Discord. And then we've got a classic bit of Stillmania. Nigel Stillman is well known for playing in the spirit of the game. This is his personal opinion of the ultimate spirit of wargaming. So here are some pointers that, that Nigel uh, gave us back in the, the 90s in White Dwarf. Pick your army to just under 2,000 points. Write down the roster and never amend it again. Make sure it fits the background. Collect and paint the army. Give it three coats of gloss varnish. Then never touch it with a paintbrush again. Give every character and regiment a name. Do not even possess extra or alternative units. Just stick with what you've got. Bet the marketing department loved that. Make a carrying case that fits the army exactly. Fight every battle with the same army and never change anything in it. Fight in big games with just your 2,000 points and to hell with the odds. Never vary or change your army in any way. Resist all temptation. Model every magic item on the character who carries it, no matter what it is. 
What you see in the army is what you get. Take this literally. Always give your opponent the benefit of the doubt. Who cares if all your opponents know your army composition by heart? Let the only surprises be your deployment and your tactical moves. Shrug off defeat, learn the lessons and keep practicing. Play for the fun of playing. And finally, when you win, the excellence of your generalship will be beyond doubt. So if there was a better piece in all of White Dwarf history than that little bit from Nigel Stillman, I'm yet to see it. And there's a lot of good stuff in there, obviously, but I, I just think that's an incredible wee bit of content there. And just one last wee observation I had when I was when I was reading through these copies of White Dwarf again. So this is around the era that you started to get all these Imperial Guard uh, squads and, and units released. So we had regiments like the Valhalla and Ice Warriors and the Kachan Jungle Fighters. And I thought to myself, like, if these guys were fighting in the same army, one of them's wearing, like, huge fur coats and, and big woolly hats and stuff like that, and the other ones are in vests because they're from the jungle. So if you had them in the same army, depending on where you're fighting, I suppose, like, one of them's going to be really warm and one of them's going to be really cold. So I don't know what you'd aesthetically do about that. Would you just put, like, little cardigans on your on your jungle fighters or would you maybe provide a facility for the for the ice warriors to hang their coats up when they go into battle? It's just something that occurred to me, you know. How do you how do you how do you get around this when you want them in the same army and uh, not have it look stupid? Or am I looking stupid just by musing on this? But uh, I'd love to to see you in the Discord if you're not in there already, especially in that wee white dwarf channel that we've got going on. So you'll find the Discord at bedroombattlefields.com forward slash discord funnily enough other things i'm reading uh, i finished deathwing that old uh, collection of stories from the early 90s never actually properly read it as far as i could remember i think i had a few attempts at it when i was younger and just maybe got a bit lost um and yeah, it's, it's fine it's fine that's not a great review for a book i don't hate it you know i think the um it was the two was it Ian Watson? The two Ian Watson stories I thought were pretty good. Uh, and there were another couple in there that were decent, but th- there were a few ones that I, I kind of chewed through as well. So um, I'm glad I read it. I know that the, the Old Hammer Fiction podcast is, has been doing a lot of the stories from it, but I, I've just got such a surplus of audio content and I had the book lying about and I was between books, so I just picked it up and kind of... Had a go at it, so I'm glad I finally got to to read it, to finish it about 30 years after actually getting the thing. But there you go, Deathwing. Um, speaking of audio content, I'm also listening to uh, an audio book called Game Wizards, which is the origin story of D&D. D&D is not a game I've ever played or know very much about, but yeah, this is really cool. Just learning the genesis of it all, especially because I've read Dice Men by Livingston and Jackson, which gives the history of Games Workshop over here, and there was that whole link-up with D&D, so Gygax and Arneson were mentioned a lot in that book, and now it's good to be seen, you know, the other side of the pond, what was going on with D&D, and I didn't realise that those two guys had such a feud going on, so I'm really enjoying that as well on Audible, that's called Game Wizards. Uh, I saw via the Crown of Command podcast that there's a very exciting book coming out by Robin Jews and John Stallard. I believe it comes out at the end of August and it's called Talking Miniatures. 
And that's another sort of book on the history of GW, but from a very specific period and focused on a very specific niche of the company. So there's a there's a cool video you could see, um, and I'm I'm sure it's on the Crown of Command YouTube channel. I'll put a link in the show notes, and it's Robin and John kind of talking about the book and what to expect, and all the folks that they've got involved in it as well. So, like I say, that comes out at the end of August, and if I don't immediately get it, then it will certainly be on the Christmas list. One other book that uh, has been in my Amazon basket for a while, but it's not released yet. It's called Grimdark, A Very British Hell. This is by Timothy Linward and it comes out in December 2023. So in the description on Amazon, part of the description says, Why is this fantasy proven so irresistible? Part collection of essays, part ravings of occult prophet, Grimdark examines Warhammer 40,000's place and impact in pop culture and how this unique version of a hellish future arose from the subconscious of post-industrial Britain. So, aye, that sounds really cool. Another book that I'll be looking to get and, you know, timing-wise, it looks like that will be a a Christmas stocking filler as well. All right, so I think that's us coming towards the end of the episode now. Like I say, I've been wanting to do something solo for a while because I had a few wee things to talk through and uh, hopefully it's been entertaining enough and to keep your eyes peeled for the promised photos of my 15mm stuff as and when I get them finished. One last thing that I wanted to mention, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, or if you've listened to the, the past episodes, you might have heard me talk on one episode about a, a tragedy that had occurred in my own family. Uh, my younger brother, he, he took his own life very sadly um, last summer, it was August of 2022, and I'm currently involved in a bit of fundraising efforts for a mental health charity as we come up to the anniversary of my brother's death. You know, we're wanting to do something that, that could positively have an impact elsewhere. So I'm currently trying to raise £5,000 for a charity called Back On Side, who help younger people with uh, mental health issues and, you know, try and try and get them back on side literally is is the name of the charity so you'll find if you you know if you're in a position to make a donation no matter how small you think it is it would be massively appreciated and you can find the fundraising page it's a just given page but you'll find it by going to backonside.co.uk forward slash ross like i say we're trying to hit that five thousand pounds goal which is obviously a lot of money and i'm just trying to you know, spread word of it as, as far afield as I can. So if there's anything at all that you could contribute, we would be eternally grateful to you. That link once more is backonside.co.uk forward slash Ross. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. All right, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. I really appreciate your time. And if you like the show, please be sure to share it out with someone else you think might like it too. Okay, enjoy your painting, enjoy your gaming, enjoy whatever you're up to this week and we'll talk again on the next episode.